and welcome to the Betsy, Betsy Boss Podcast. Welcome back. It's episode three and it's our second full-length episode. If you're still here, you're still listening, that means that you're down for a little bit more female-friendly history. That's right. Some weird stuff to talk about today. Oh, absolutely. A little bit salacious. We are traveling back in time and through time to the history of something that today is the second most popular plastic surgery yep. in the United States. Yep. But before we get there, we were noticing um, that a certain show is present on Netflix, I believe? Uh, on Hulu. It was funny. I don't know what made me think of it, but when I was younger, I don't know why we were allowed to watch this with my dad, who loved the show, but uh, Baywatch is now on Hulu. Classic. Yep. And I have two shows that myself and my siblings both remember because they were exceptionally creepy um one was the giant manowar which is a giant jellyfish episode and then the other one where one of the girls she like just got married and then she's out sailing on a ship with troubled kids for a program naturally that's what you do with troubled kids take a storm like no big deal (laughs) let's just take them all on a ship guys it'll it'll cure everything well, of course it did. There was one teen who wasn't talking to anybody. And then when they hit the storm, you know, she started talking. Um, but what ended up happening is they're out on the boat and the mast falls on her and kills her. Oh, God. I know. So. The troubled teen? No, the, the, the recently woman. married. Yeah, the recently married woman. So, oh, dear. Yeah. So, <laughs> well, it's interesting how. Um, Certain fatherhood type behaviors were just accepted and kind of still are. I mean, I remember how one of my friend's dads would always have playboys in the bathroom. Really? And it was just sort of accepted like, oh, those are Mr. Smith's um, magazines. And people kind of just let that go. Like it was never looked down on or seen as inappropriate. And really, I mean, before the advent of the Internet... Those were people's sources yeah. of beautiful, you know, women mm-hmm. um, to feast their eyes on. Yep, including Pamela Anderson. So yeah, kind of wrapping it, wrapping it in there. Pamela Ama Ding Dong. Mm-hmm. She had a huge pair of Ding Dongs, <laughs> which um, is the topic of this episode today. Um, and where did breast implants come about? Who came up with them? Who got the first ones? Why are they so popular today? And what are some of the issues associated with them um, throughout time and even still now today? Yeah, it's it's really interesting because I feel like I always remember the issues or hearing, you know, that you could pop your breast implant during, you know, the 90s and everything growing up. But totally. Um, it's crazy to see how far back this history goes and some of the even crazier stuff that was going on before then. Oh, absolutely. And it's funny. I mean, it's only been about 60 years since the first breast enlargement surgery using silicone implants. Right. But people have been trying to do breast enhancement-related yeah. surgeries since the 1800s. Right, yeah. And and some of it's pretty scary. Oh, absolutely. It seems like it took a lot of different tries to get it right. Even still today, it sounds like they're not totally out of the woods. Um but it's just fascinating the stuff that they tried to put in people's boobs and what they thought might work too like 
and the people that let them do it just like all right I'll, I'll take on the experimentation and let you see if this works oh absolutely and you know kind of the motive behind them was really interesting i mean mm-hmm. who even decided that big boobs were beautiful right who decided that they were attractive and who decided hey you know this is an unchangeable quality an unchangeable physical quality but let's make it changeable let's right. make it plastic let's make it fluid let's change it up and make them big oh my god yeah well um so just jumping into the first person i found um was an austrian surgeon named robert Gazerni. Ooh, say that three times yeah. fast mm, it's not spelled very uh friendly there but um <laughs> he injected paraffin oh um there were warm and soft versions don't know what that means it was mainly petroleum jelly so it was um his formula was one part vaseline three parts olive oil and he first used it uh he realized he could use it to enhance soldiers testicle sizes i saw that actually and so he he had success there i guess and then he went on to use it for breast implants but it had a lot of problems because it was fine for a couple years and then it formed this large impenetrable lump um, or an ulcer also caused blindness and pretty much amputation was the only way to cure it god can you imagine like you're just trying to get bigger tits right and then you have to get your boobs totally cut off or you go blind or both and then then what (laughs) and then where are you maybe you'd rather be blind than see your disfigured body true but oh my god well the next guy that i saw was he seemed to have a little bit more of a uh moral reason for um doing his Mm -hmm. breast related surgery was this guy vincent cerny yeah or cesarni um and he was in germany at the university of heidelberg i think and he's often called the father of plastic surgery but he had a 40 year old 41 year old singer approach him who had this big tumor removed from her left breast And she basically just had a chunk out of her breast and thought she looked really lopsided. She hated how it looked. So what did Dr. Cesarni do? He looked elsewhere on her body. He found another tumor, as luck would have it. (laughs) Meanwhile, this woman was like covered in lumps. Yeah. Um, But it was an apple-sized fatty tumor in the woman's back. He removed that. I know. Tell me about it. Um, but this guy dug the tumor out of the singer's back and put it in the empty space yeah. in the boob. I mean, make up for what you lack, fill in the missing spaces. It was pretty groundbreaking. Um, and this worked pretty well. But the problem was that throughout the first half of the 20th century, other folks saw the success that this doctor had. And there were a bunch of copycat surgeons who did paraffin insertions. They did glass balls. Yeah, that one I saw was crazy unreal i some of this stuff is just like why would you ever think that that would work or look good or be comfortable what must that have looked like (laughs) i I mean my god just like a glass ball like have you ever seen a boob before also think about this like i'd be concerned with the um the silicone popping Uh, what if a glass ball breaks shatters absolutely well you know what it makes me think of is those medieval paintings that you see sometimes and you're like has this person ever seen a boob (laughs) the way they paint them they look like they're hard as rocks they're like sometimes quite small they're like baseball size 
but they're like projecting out of the person's chest. It's clear that they used a male model and just <laughs> stuck circles onto the boob area to make it look a little bit more little ample chested. There. But I imagine that if you inserted you know, these weird substances like ivory, which was another one, by the way, and wool, you probably had boobs that were pretty reminiscent of those weird looking crazy looking in the medieval times. I know. Well, I found some of the other stuff that they were using, too, were um, ground rubber. Oh, I didn't see that one. Ox cartilage. Ox cartilage. Yeah. Classic. (laughs) I saw the wool. Um, And then another one I kept seeing was medical tape. That was kind of like rounded up into a ball and then sometimes they'd put the wool around it and i i just i don't know how anybody would be like oh this is this is a good thing to try Sounds like a good idea yeah i think it'll work you knew that if men had boobs (laughs) they would have figured something out right away they wouldn't be putting these weird foreign bodies into people's chest cavities i mean come on yeah but the side effects were just disgusting oh my god crazy stuff you had like infections you had severe scarring necrosis you know the skin would die and fall apart you had pulmonary embolisms granulomas which god knows that's like you know these little piecemeal sarcoma i guess um liver problems comas and even death yeah yeah so i mean it didn't come without its fair share of risk when you got these crazy surgeries and weird objects implanted in your chest which is no surprise really then moving on to kind of the mid uh, 20th century here we get to world war ii and another thing that i think both of us saw noted a lot is that japanese women would be injecting themselves with this non-medical grade silicone right into their chests. <laughs> so and, gross. Oh, God. But the worst part of it is that they would get this thing called silicone rot where they would get gangrene in the breast injection site, which is just terrifying. Nasty. You get this gangrenous, horrifying piece of skin where you tried to inject yourself. Ugh. Did you hear about the cobra, ven- cobra venom? No. Oh, my God. So apparently one of the problems with this silicone when they just injected it was that the silicone would sort of fall apart inside the breast into these these granulomas. Yeah, exactly. Kind of travels. And get this. Yeah, they could travel all around the body. My God, they were super mobile, which is horrifying. (laughs) Oh, my God. And apparently cobra venom is particularly helpful in containing this silicone. But obviously, for other reasons, like, oh, I don't know, toxicity, (laughs) it might not be the best (laughs) idea to use a poisonous substance from another animal to contain this other you know hazardous substance yeah that's just like fighting one thing with another bad thing right but it cracked me up that the whole reason that they wanted to inject themselves with this stuff to make their boobs bigger is because these japanese prostitutes since it was world war ii they were hoping that they could secure some american servicemen's patronage because they thought that american guys were into bigger tits which i can't say that they were wrong oh i mean have you seen all those like during World War II, the planes that had pinup girls post, you know, things? And what's the mark of a pinup girl? Big boobs. Yep. Every single time. Yep. Always very healthy looking. Well, another thing that I saw during this time too, the the 40s and the 50s, was the increased use of sponges. Oh, I which know. Again, is another just crazy thing. That was um, disgusting. Oh, they said they'd put them in. And then they'd only last for a couple weeks, and then they'd shrink, dry up, and harden. Yeah, and apparently reports were that they got hard as baseballs. Yeah. Ugh. 
That's going back to the glass balls under the chest there. 100%. Um, you might remember in our last episode, we were talking about how plastic was really making a comeback and how it took the world by storm, especially America, in this post-war environment. And folks were starting to trust plastic. They were starting to become obsessed with plastic. Silico really became the material of the time in post-war America. And Americans were fascinated with plastics, everything artificial. And that's when and why silicone started to make its debut. So this all really took off in 1961 with these two surgeons, Thomas Cronin and Frank Giroux, I guess you would pronounce yeah, it. who's to say? Yeah, along with the, uh, the Dow Corning Corporation. And they developed this first silicone breath. <laughs> breath. You have such nice breath. breath. Better hope you don't go in if you have a lift. <laughs> what size do you want? I'll take a C. <laughs> <laughs> That's staying in. I got to use <laughs> Triple C or quadruple D? Uh, yeah. I don't know. I don't want to have to get a mastectomy later. <laughs> um, so these, so this all really took off in 1961 with these two surgeons, Thomas Cronin and Frank Giroux, along with the Dow Corning Corporation, they came up with this first silicone breast prosthesis model. Mm -hmm. um, and such a man way that it was discovered, they were handling a bag of blood and were like, oh, this kind of feels like a boob. <laughs> it's <laughs> classic, isn't it? Yeah. And so then along with the Dow Corning Corporation, they put together this first kind of model that eventually it was called the 1963. I don't know if that's because that's when it was like, mass produced to the public mm, that makes sense yeah but pretty much it was this silicone rubber envelope sack that was shaped like a teardrop and it was filled with this viscous silicone gel and it's so funny i mean i think they sort of had a good thing in mind i think yeah. they had a um they were on to something they wanted to do charity originally for women um who had had mastectomies and were looking to increase their confidence and you know rectify the um, damage that this horrible surgery did um so that sort of started off with good origins yeah, good and intentions. you know humanitarian but obviously, I mean, these guys opened Pandora's box yeah. on this. What started off as a way to correct, you know, surgical changes to the body um, really obviously became something totally different. Yeah. And, I mean, the funniest thing to me was the first subject. I was hoping you'd get to this. Yeah. Oh, classic. Who was not human. Nope. But, in fact, was man's best friend. Yes. Man's other or best friend besides best Boo. friend in this <laughs> Exactly. It was a dog named Esmeralda. Yep. And Esmeralda was the first person, <laughs> first dog, to wear a pair of breast implants. They implanted them under the skin. And this dog walked around with boobs and really didn't have Can't much of a that. hitch. Funny as hell. Um, and, honestly, they didn't have a problem until the dog started chewing at the... Uh, at the surgical staples. The there, yeah. yeah. And, um, you know, when they saw that this kind of went off okay, they decided, hey, you know what? Let's start giving this a shot on real human women. Yep. And I have to say, checked and Esmeralda was fine. So <laughs> that had to make sure. No dogs were harmed no, in the making no. of these breast That's implants. Right. Um, so after this success that they thought they had, they found their first um, test subject or their first recipient. Um, her name was T. 
Timmy Jean Lindsay. Meanwhile, what is Timmy short no- for yeah. in a woman? Tamantha? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Tobacco? Oh. Yeah, I don't even know what that would be. Tobacco? <laughs> it's Timmy Jean. Tamanda? <laughs> Actually, she's got three first names there, though. She sure does. Timmy Jean Lindsay, TJL. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, she was a mother of six. Did I you see that? I know, and a factory worker in Texas as well. Oof. Ouch, everything's bigger in Texas yeah. except for Timmy's boobs, well, pre-surgery. That's right, but she'd make sure that uh, Texas upholds that reputation. She went from a B to a C. Very humble jump, I thought. Yep. Um, she's now 80 years old. She's still with us. Yeah, and, and so are her breast implants. The, the, the original, original implants. Um, but what made me laugh was that she never even planned to have uh, the boob yeah. augmentation this to is- begin with. <laughs> she was in there to get this tattoo removed from her breasts. Um, and the doctors saw this as a great opening. They must have had boobs on the brain. I guess. Because they asked her if she'd consider volunteering for the first time breast enhancement surgery. Yep. And, yeah, I mean, she was self-conscious about a lot of things about herself, well, this Timmy. and that's kind of how they got her, too, was she was like, no, I don't want to do this. Um, but then they also offered to throw in, make it a package deal, that they would pin back her ears, which she had said she had wanted if she would undergo this surgery. Yeah, and that was enough for her. She always thought her ears stood out like Dumbo. And when she told the doctors this, I mean, this is classic plastic surgery um, industry jargon here. You seize on people's insecurities. You get a hold of them, and you make them fix them. Um, So the doctor said, no problem. We'll fix your ears. We'll throw them in. And they did. Yep. And it was funny. I I found uh, before during well i guess before after and current picture of our girl timmy here <laughs> and she really doesn't look any different well no and and even in the second picture they look a little strange to me i don't they know they do look kind of yeah. odd and i'm not sure if it's high. the best I don't, there it could or... be. yeah it's but yeah it makes I, a very cute grandma everybody should oh, check yeah. our instagram we'll post a picture of timmy jean Lindsay yes. before during and after um, and by during, I mean, you know, shortly <laughs> after during her youth. Right. Um, but she's pretty darn adorable. And she had this funny quote in there. She said, you would think they would stay really perky, but no, they are just <laughs> like regular breasts. Classic Timmy. <laughs> yeah. They begin to sag over the years. That surprised me. I figured they'd just stay, they'd just stay where they were. <laughs> All right. Well, what was funny is she was so happy with oh, yeah. her boob implants. I mean apparently the doctors were completely overjoyed too i mean this was their baby this was their invention and they supposedly had a whole bunch of residents come in and look at this woman's new boobs they everybody was marveling at how gorgeous they were how perfect they were and timmy was just completely happy with them other than the uh you know couple day long discomfort of having what felt like an elephant on her chest i'm just i'm just shocked that these implants are still with us yeah and just because i feel like the common conception now or um feeling around it is that you should get them replaced like every 10 years and the fact that these are over 50 years old oh my gosh like, and they're still going strong yeah they might not be as perky as they used to be but hey whose boobs <laughs> but stay perky yeah they're just normal <laughs> so it's kind of funny oh my gosh but the surgeons Jarrell and cronin Um, took this and ran with it. They were so happy with the success, and they declared that the implants were as harmless as water, 
and Cronin actually presented his work at the International Society of Plastic Surgeons. Oh, my God. I didn't know this. Oh, yeah. It was in D.C. So he was really running with it. Oh, my gosh. Absolutely. And this was 1963, so that might have been the source of the name of the implants. Probably. There Um, we go. But the plastic surgery world was totally mystified and excited about this, and the timing was perfect because the 50s had just come in, created these new cultural norms and beauty standards of bigger breasts. Yep. Playboy magazine and Barbie had both launched during that time. Marilyn Monroe and Jane Mansfield were popular. The curvy silhouette was in, and the straight as a board that would come later in the 90s was out. So this was really the time to strike. Yeah, I saw there was actually a rumor that Marilyn Monroe had her breasts done, and she denied it. Her publicist, everybody denied it. But she was the kind of ideal that everybody was going for. I heard some quotes about Marilyn's boobs um, from everybody, (laughs) from women to men, whoever. You could just feel the desire that this woman stirred up, obviously, in a lot of different ways. Um, But especially with regard to her boobs, they were supposedly heavy while also weightless. They weren't susceptible to gravity, but they were still huge. People just went nuts for that silhouette. So I think the next big thing, and I just kind of have a blip on it, is Mm -hmm. that in 1964, a French company, which I'm not even going to try to pronounce. Maybe you can pronounce it there. Oh, God, I guess... It's like laboratories. But yeah, the Aryan laboratory. Yeah, which sounds great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and they manufactured the first saline breast implant. So that's kind of the balloon that goes in, and then you can just kind of fill it up once it's in there, which... Like a bike tire. Right. It would <laughs> revolutionize things, but um, was kind of still not the, the craze at the time during mm. like the 70s and 80s. And it sounds like people didn't like the look. They didn't like the feel as much. Um, they were a little bit heavier, and apparently they actually made an audible oh, swishing sound, yeah. which cracked me up. Like, put your ear on my boob and listen oh to the my ocean. God. <laughs> well, I guess, you know, waterbeds were in around this time. <laughs> <Good> and, point. <laughs> you know, you could, you could probably disguise it be like, oh, I was just the waterbed moving, you know. <laughs> that wasn't me. No. We just live near the sea. Yeah. Just, uh, you know, sweet dreams. <laughs> I don't know sleep on my boobs Mm -hmm. um and i think around that time the fda started implementing these medical devices amendments um and they grandfathered in silicone breast implants but the manufacturers had to be ready and willing to provide data on the safety and effectiveness of the implants so the fda is sort of feeling like these might not be the safest um but they sort of snuck them in anyway um, which obviously bit them in the butt a little bit later down the road. Right. Yeah, I saw that um, kind of the whole reason for these issues and probably why our girl Timmy's are still around today is because <laughs> they were this thicker shell um, kind of development and they were going from the thick shell to the thinner shell. And these had a much higher tendency to deflate and to rupture. Um, so just to give you an example, in 1977, we had the first silicone implants court case that was won by a Cleveland woman. She won $170,000, and this was because they had ruptured while they were inside. It's just nasty. And apparently she didn't get all that much attention for it, but this really started the um, filings by more and more women 
um, who were having problems with these silicone implants. Yeah, and in 1988, this is kind of what you're talking about with the reclassification. Oh, yeah. um, Because they just, like you said, they couldn't say they were safe, they couldn't say they weren't, but didn't want to take that chance. Exactly. I mean, these are scarier um, side effects. Like, I'm seeing connective tissue disease, neurological ailments, cancer, and more. Yeah. In 1991. Yeah, 91 and 93, it looks like, were big lawsuit times. Um, the one case in 91, Marion Hopkins, or Marianne, I don't know. Yeah, uh, she one won, of the two. Yeah, she won $7.3 million from Ooh. the Dow Corning Company, and it was because of these ruptured implants. Gosh. Yeah, and then 93, by that point, there were over 12,000 <laughs> lawsuits against this company. Um, and it looks like, so at that point, silicone implants almost got banned. Yeah. Um, and Dow Corning, Bristol-Myers Squibb, and some other manufacturers left the silicone yeah. implant business right around that time. Um, but what was weird is that the saline implants totally jumped in popularity. They weren't affected at all. Right. Um, but still, people did like the look and the feel of the silicone better. Yep. So I think they were still jonesing after those silicone implants. But it was interesting because um, in 1993, again, kind of right around this time, the FDA revised the ban, probably due to the popularity and demand. Um, but they put in the caveat that anyone that received these silicone implants also had to participate in these clinical trials. So. It's kind of a weird, I don't know, I've never seen something like that before where they're like, all right, you can do it, but we want to study you and, you know, collect data. Another classic kind of women issue. Like, I just think if these were guys, they would never put them in harm's way like this. I mean, but because it's women, they were like, yeah, go for it. Do whatever you want to do to feel more confident or whatever and to make us happier. Um, But we'll just study you and make sure nothing too weird happens. Right, yeah. Like, we'll just watch you. You can do it. We're not too sure about it. But we need data. So, you know, go ahead. Right. And, I mean, my gosh, the lawsuits just kept picking up. Yeah. Until um, in 1995, Dow Corning actually had to file for Chapter 11 bankruptcy. God. Um, So this really screwed them up. Yeah. From, From the beginning to this time. Like, what a story of rise and fall here. Yeah, so in in 2006, though, this ban was finally lifted because of all of these studies. They now had enough information to show that there wasn't really any connection showing that silicone was harmful. Um, But what was kind of interesting to me that I think is still in effect today is that you have to be over 22. I saw that. Yeah, which I was interesting. I, I always assume that these type of things, it's just 18 or older. Me too, and I had no clue... I was thinking about that, too. Like, I wonder if you have parental consent, if that changes it, or if you, you know, what other elements are at play there. Yeah. If you have to be, like, maybe horribly disfigured, you know. Well, that's that's kind of what I saw, too, that there's different um, restrictions for augmentation versus reconstruction and saline versus silicone. So for reconstruction, silicone-filled gels and saline were approved for anybody of any age. Oh, okay. Um, For augmentation, so just for cosmetic reasons, you had to be over 18 for saline and over 22 for silicone. Hmm. Yeah, and they were saying that it has to do with different body developments at that time and uh, possibility of leakage, rupture, that type of thing. Yikes. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. Can you imagine? Jeez. Well, in 2010, I have breast implants being the most popular plastic surgery and 62% of those were silicone. So clearly silicone was, you know, making its comeback. Yep. 
now that there was more information about them being relatively safe. Well, what's mm-hmm. weird in um, so there was this company, this French company, oh, yeah, um, the PIP. Yep. Let's see. I'm Poly trying. implant prosthesis. Yes. Um, and this had been, you know, they had been manufacturing these breast implants, um, for a while and had kind of caught wind of the big silicone uproar and excitement. Um, and in 2011, France's health minister actually announced that 30,000 French women who had these PIP implants from this company should have them removed. And in fact, the government, the health government, um, entity in France actually offered to pay for the operations to remove all of these implants from 30,000 women. So 60,000 implants, um, (laughs) which is just insane. I mean, I don't see our government ever doing anything like that. That Oh my God. No, they, they definitely, you know, took it, took it on and realized what an issue it was because, um, the problem was they weren't using this medical grade silicone they were using substandard. something that was injected, it said here, into mattresses, silicone that was used to make mattresses, which is crazy. Oh, it's so wrong. And the guy only got four years in prison, I think, for the fraud of yeah, selling this was bad product. Meanwhile, disfiguring these women, putting their health at risk. Absolutely. You know. And these implants just rupturing. Yeah. It's just, it's crazy. It actually reminds me of um, this woman, I want to say she was in philadelphia i don't know if you've seen this oh god a couple years ago where she was offering um cosmetic surgery procedures and was actually injecting um cement mix oh type of stuff into people and she herself situation she herself if you look her up (laughs) i would not trust this woman to to do anything to get even in the same room with me she um injected it all into her hips into (gasps) like she just looks herself very disfigured um and not to mention the fact that these injections you know cause issues they're not only crazy looking they're very hazardous too oh my god yeah see i would think that there was some you know that the only um people who would do stuff like that would be in foreign countries or stuff like that but the fact that it's here at home oh my gosh yeah and obviously you see a ton of these people on botched who have just had right all different kinds of back alley um surgeries to try and look better and hello like maybe it's because you aren't supposed to have these industrial strength products right you know injected into your body cement give me a break how is that ever supposed oh to feel good oh my god good? yeah that that is just i don't know what happened to the lady afterwards um well the i don't i don't know what happened i don't think any of the patients died they i don't think so i think they survived it but she i remember seeing the mug shot of her um going to jail and i don't know oh i don't god. know what the outcome was but you know they ended up arresting her and it's just crazy we should look her up and yeah look I'll, I'll show you i think who this is going <gasps> yeah here look so we're looking up the woman and dear god that's what i'm saying like if i saw her come in i would be like uh-uh. i don't think so buddy like you want somebody doing your surgery who looks like they know what reasonability is right. this woman you guys gotta look this up she um if you just look up philadelphia plastic surgery woman cement all right highly recommend it it's a classic google search this woman oh my gosh i wouldn't trust her to operate on my dog no 
no come on esmeralda deserves better than right that. <laughs> absolutely oh. oh my gosh yeah yeah she's crazy so and you can see i guess these are some of the i don't know if that's her or one of the patients oh they're um, horribly disfigured but, they look oh. like they have these kind of tumor-like yeah. structures on their faces where it looks like the cement must have been injected oh, oh they look like elephant man or something oh, awful so embarrassing i mean the quest for plastic surgery is just so fascinating oh, sorry i want to show you this other one yeah <gasps> i know she like injected i mean this isn't uh breast surgery but she thought i think it she yeah she injected cooking oil oh instead no of what so this woman was absolutely beautiful yeah. to begin with i mean she was really lovely injected all this cooking oil into her face instead of silicone and now she looks like she was stung by a thousand bees well this is her i think there's another picture of her after she she got some reconstructive surgery after that to try to deflate this buildup of fluid or or whatever it is but she still just looks nothing oh my gosh she looks like job of the hut now the poor thing yeah looks like her face completely melted and crazy Oh, my God. It's just incredible the lengths that people will go to to be beautiful yeah. or be what they perceive as beautiful. Oh, it's just so sad. Um, so a new interesting fad, I guess, is these short-term breast augmentation injections. Oh, gosh. Um, I didn't look too much into them, but it looks like you can get this type of temporary injection where it will increase your breast size and it can last, you can, I guess, get different variations of it. It can last anywhere from 24 hours to a couple months, almost a year, but it's temporary, which I I just, I don't get that. That to me is scarier in a way. I don't know. Something so temporary that way. Well, and we looked up at some point the Nougalberry. Oh, yes. Is that what it was called? Mm -hmm. And basically these were suction cups, like giant suction devices that you'd put on your breasts for like hours out of the day. And the suction presumably would suck the breast tissue outward and force it to kind of grow to fill in the gaps. Well, it's crazy because um, when I was looking into this uh, information for this episode, there were actually a lot of French advertisements that looked like they were from, I don't know, maybe the 50s. And it, it was the Nougalberry. I don't think they called it that, but it was literally these women doing that back then, Ooh, too. Gosh. So it is kind of crazy. So a lot of the stuff hasn't changed as much as it has. No. We even know a girl who got, I mean, she went way too far with it. Oh, yeah. But she had her breasts done multiple times. She wanted that artificial look. She was very wedded to large, um, round breasts that, you know, looked like implants. And she got just that. But over that whole process, we learned that there are different shapes. You can make them look as natural as you want. I mean, these are not the breast implants of the 80s or even the 70s yeah. that kind of were very rounded and um, you could tell right away that people had them. Nowadays, you kind of can't tell. I mean, and the look you want to go for is, that's are what those I was implants? Because they look great. I think most people now, I feel like the 90s, again, to kind of tie it back to the Baywatch as we were talking about before, was this huge blow-up doll look. And now, yeah. kind of the turn of the century here everyone's kind of going for that natural look now where, like you said, you don't want to be able to tell necessarily. So 
when we were researching this topic, I found actually an interesting um, kind of little sidebar about different celebrities who have regretted getting breast implants. Oh. Um, and it looks like one of them was actually Giselle. Oh, really? Um, yeah. And she um, she had breastfed her two children for 18 months each. And after that process was over, she decided that she would get discreet plastic surgery. Um, and she felt always that her breasts were a bit smaller, a little bit uneven. Um, and she always got praised. I mean, come on. Giselle is the body. Right. Like, she's always she's been known praised for her. for her body. She's always been known for her body. And she just felt like she couldn't quite deliver when it came to her breasts. And because of that, she felt very self-conscious because she could do all these different steps to work out, to eat healthy, um, to make her body the perfection that it is. Um, but unfortunately, she couldn't change the fact that her breasts were a bit uneven and a bit smaller than she liked. Um, so all she really wanted was to even out her breasts. Like she thought that they were just going to even them out, but it right. looks like she kind of woke up with a new pair of breasts right. and she felt like her body was kind of foreign to her. Yeah. It was very foreign. It didn't feel like her. Cause I was going to say, I, I was assuming that you were going to say someone that got, you know, the surgery done in like the eighties or nineties or something. And it just didn't last like they had hoped it did. And it kind of looked a little crazy, but to her, for her to have gotten it done so recently, I don't think it was anything to do with the actual surgery itself, just kind of uh, your mental state afterwards about it. Right. And another one, it was actually Kourtney Kardashian. Um, obviously, the Kardashians are known for going under the knife for any little oh, yeah. thing, and they're super open about everything in their lives. Um, so Kourtney, when she got the breast implants and when she spoke openly about it, nobody was really shocked. Um, she actually got them when she was 22, um, and she had her boobs done, but she says always that if she could go back and take it back, she probably wouldn't have done it. Wow. And she looks back on herself before and thinks she looked quite cute, um, and she was just trying to really look a certain way, and even now, I think she's considered removing them. I always wondered about that, too, how it kind of went if you removed them, um, I mean, I know you can kind of remove and go smaller, but I wonder about actually removing altogether and then kind of what you're left with. Like, what, it's kind of, you're in that position now where it's like, well, is it going to be worse if I remove them or, you know, just keep them, maybe go smaller, but. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't know. I, I obviously we've talked about this before, but it does <laughs> kind of scare me a little bit, the thought of having something foreign like that, especially something that it's kind of recommended to have removed and replaced every 10 years yeah and something that could potentially be dangerous I mean even though we know that silicone implants are technically safe um, if you go to the right doctor and if they're under the necessary rules and um, regulations but still it's just kind of this odd feeling of hmm I've got this strange foreign body inside of me and how do I feel about that? Because it's a surgery in order to correct yeah. it or change it rather than just a something you put on or take off. And it's still it is still scary because it, it they're not foolproof. They still can Absolutely pop. not. Yeah. And I saw too that they can pop or start to leak, more so I guess start to leak. And saline, you'll kind of know right away because it would deflate. But silicone, it can start to leak and you don't realize until it's kind of leaked into other parts of your body. Oof. Yeah, which, ugh, 
is just horrifying. Oh, and actually, um, another celebrity who regrets her breast implants is Yolanda Hadid, the mother of Gigi Hadid and um, Bella Hadid. And so she has been a vocal Lyme disease activist. Um, And she tried to use her celebrity on The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills to, you know, start talking more about Lyme disease and um, kind of what happens to you when you have the disease. Um, And she was looking for a cure via that vehicle. Um, And she actually discovered that her breast implants had been leaking. Oh, um, and she made the choice to get them removed. Fully removed? Yeah, well, totally I guess she removed. Had to get them fully removed. Did um, she get them replaced? Do you know? I don't think so. Wow. I think she was really scared straight, um, yeah. straight as a board, haha. Um, <laughs> but she actually has cited that there might be a link between her breast, breast, Jesus, breast implant rupture. And her ongoing health crisis with Lyme disease. Um, That's a bold statement to make, It's very bold. And especially when you're not in the line of business to be making scientific accusations and connections. Um, But she actually is quoted as saying, we might have hit the jackpot by finding all this silicone from a 20-year-old implant rupture through ultrasound mapping as shown in this selfie. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. Just my uh, mammogram selfie. like (laughs) Right. But... Obviously, she had to get those wow. removed, and her life was never really the same. Ooh. It was quite a painful process. And that's scary, too, because I'd just always be worried that there's some little bit that they didn't get, and what's that doing if it's migrated somewhere in your body? I don't know. That just scares me. Um, so some interesting stats to kind of end with here. Since 1962, there have been over 240 different types of of implants made by at least 10 mac- manufacturers. Um, that's a lot of boobs. Yeah. Uh, one estimate puts that there have been 8,300 different types of implants available with slight variations. Um, all right. So that takes us to the end of this episode. I hope everybody enjoyed learning about breast implants. We definitely enjoyed researching the topic. If you want to find us and learn more about any of our topics, or if you'd like to suggest a famous female in history that you'd like to learn more about, or a topic that is female-related, please feel free to contact us. You can find us at Betsy Boss Podcast on Instagram. On Facebook, we are Betsy Boss Podcast. On Twitter, we are at Betsy Boss Pod. And our website is BetsyBossPodcast.com. And again, just as a reminder, Betsy does not have a second E in it before the Y. Um, B-E-T-S-Y is the spelling. 